You're listening to a DM podcast. We are underway. G'day guys, welcome to Talking League. We're a weekly NRL fantasy podcast. I'm your host TK and I'm here with the boys, Andy. How you going, Corbs, TK? And Corby. Hello, boys. All right, boys. Team previews continue, and this is kind of a re-re kind of thing after Tommy Turbo let us all down. But we're back in the house today to do wing fullback. So pretty exciting stuff, especially after all the trials. Plenty of standouts as well. But we'll be giving out our locks, well, guns, mid mids, cheapies, and then also avoids. So I'll throw a few different spanners in the works as I normally do. But before 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 we get to that, we've got. Physio Phil on first, so he's our resident physio, one of the best in the business, and plenty of sporting background experience, so he's going to be coming on the show first, but before that, please join our Talking League Fantasy and Tipping Comps, that's open now, $500 cash prize for first place, and it is free to enter, so head over to TalkingLeaguePod.com for more details, or you'll find all the info in the episode notes. All our social media is back, so head back onto Facebook for daily player and team analysis, or Instagram, they're both Talking League Pod or Twitter at Talking League One. And thank you to everyone that's left Apple reviews. That really helps us. So a massive thank you out there. But boys, let's head over to Physio Phil. All right, guys, introducing you guys to Physio Phil. Now, Phil graduated with honors from University of Sydney in 2011. So he has over 10 years experience working in the industry. Phil's the head physio for the Guildford Owls Rugby League Club. And he also has experience working for the Paramount Eels, Western Sydney Wanderers, and also the Lebanon Rugby League team. He's also a huge fantasy league lover, so that's why we've got him on the show, and happy to introduce Physio Phil. Phil, welcome to the podcast, bud. Hey, boys. Pleasure to be here. I love what you guys are doing, and as you said, I'm I'm a long-time fantasy player, big NRL fan, so yeah, it's good to be here. Perfect. Well, let's rip in. First things first, Tommy Turbo, because literally, we all had him last week, yeah. and he's all disappointed us, but the biggest thing that we need to know, we need a little bit of information, so can you just explain to the audience, number one. What's a grade two hamstring strain? So grade two basically means that it's a, a moderate tear. It's a partial tear of the fibers. Mm. So if you're going to go grade one, it's more like a strain where fibers haven't been damaged per se. A grade three is a majority or a full rupture. So grade two is somewhere in the middle. So you can have a big range of grade twos where some grade twos are worse than others, but it's a, it's a partial tear basically. Okay. And then just moving on, like, in terms of his issues moving forward, if, if you hurt yourself, Phil, in a bathroom situation... Yeah. Versus... If that's the truth. Yeah. If, <laughs> if that's the truth. And if you had patients before hurting themselves in the bathroom versus on the field, like, what's the difference? I've had patients hurt themselves in the bathroom. I can't say that I've ever had someone do a grade two hemi tear in the bathroom, to be honest. Um, look... <laughs> You would hope that if it's done in the bathroom, it's potentially a less traumatic circumstance than, say, being in a flat-out sprint or something like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, if it is a grade two hamstring tear, you're still talking about that damage to the muscle fibers. So biologically, you're still talking at a minimum four weeks, possibly six weeks uh, mm. recovery if it is a true grade two. Um, so whether or not it's done in the bathroom on the footy field or on the concourse at Manly, whatever it is, it's um, <laughs> it's still a grade two hammy tear at the end of the day, so the recovery is still similar. Yeah, Phil, when you've had your left side done and now your right side done, 
does mm. that influence further damage to either side? Well, what it probably indicates to me more so is that there's something, you know, wrong with his mechanics. So there's something mechanically wrong there yep. um, that his hammies aren't liking, whether it be, and I mean, there's heaps of research into this and they're still doing more and more research, but, you know, they're talking about things in, in their lower back. They're talking about, you know, the length of his femur, his thigh bone, um, whether his lower back moves properly and that's causing his hamstrings to compensate or whether it's his running mechanics. Yeah. So not having seen him personally and, and, um, and obviously uh, done any investigation into him one-on-one, it's, it's hard to say what it is, but it, it definitely seems like there's some other factors going on there. You don't just keep getting hammy tears, you know, back and back like that. If there's usually not some sort of underlying cause. Okay. Andy, take it away. Yeah. My question's about uh, Jake Averillo. And his MCL injury. If you could just like give listeners an explanation of what the injury is and what the um, the healing time, and possibly if it's going to affect his game at all, being him being a, a six and passing most of the time. Yes, he did his MCL of his elbow, which is also called the ulnar collateral ligament. So it's a ligament on the inside of his elbow. Mm. Um, from the reports, I don't think it was a a full rupture, and he definitely had no fractures or anything like that. So if it's just ligament damage, even a full rupture, they tend to recover quite well. It's nowhere near as bad as uh, like an MCL in the knee because it's not a weight-bearing joint um, and you're not changing direction and stuff off it. So, um, And you can also strap it fairly effectively. Um, so usually their recovery is, is sort of in that four-week range. His looks quite minor. Um, they had him in a brace early on, but I don't think it was that bad. So I don't think it'll affect him all that much. If you have a really bad... Uh, ligament injury like that it could affect his confidence coming back early on in terms of tackling apart from that you know i think passing the ball and all that sort of stuff he's going to be fine or maybe just be probably a confidence issue in terms of his contact and his tackling maybe his fending um but that should be over pretty quick i reckon i don't think it'll affect him for too long nice and is there is there a percentage of re-injury at all or it's just sort of no it's fairly low because you can strap really well for it uh the ligament heals really well and the strapping is quite effective like i said so the re-injury risk is quite low. He'd be good on my team then, round one. Yeah, it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, look, <laughs> if he's fit for round one, he'll be fine. At, at most, I can't see him missing more than the first round, I'd say. Yeah, at the very most. Perfect. Corpse, take it away. Phil, how are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Just with the Guildford hours, I remember yes. um, going to one game with my uncle back in the day and all the drunks doing the who. The yeah, up absolutely. On the hill. Yeah, yeah. Hoot, hoot. Absolutely. <laughs> and then they, they actually built them a balcony on the Lees Club. So they all got up there so sinking beers all afternoon and yelling out from up on the balcony. So, yeah. Yeah, there was a good little group of them. That was me, actually. That Sorry about that, mate. Hey, Corbs, can you give us a hoot hoot? <laughs> no, I, I can't. They, uh, they were something else. They had had a few that day. Uh, my questions in regards to Jack Bird. So all the talk throughout the preseason was that he was training in the middle and it was to help with a little bit of or taking away a bit of that lateral movement that he was uh, getting in his backs and all his early career or his past few seasons. Then he had that Mm. back-to-back ACL injury. Mm. Now he's saying he's more confident. So psychologically, I don't know how far we can dive into this. He's, he play, he wants to play center and he did on the weekend in the trial and played uh, pretty big minutes and seemed to do the job quite well. Is it, from a physio point of view, is it smart for him 
Tubi, should he be moving towards the middle with back-to-back ACLs or what's your sort of comment on that one? Um, look, really, from a rugby league point of view and just given his style of play from watching him, I think even if he played in the middle, he's probably going to have, like he's not the biggest bloke, so he's going to rely, even if he's playing in the middle, he's going to rely on a bit of footwork mm. and stuff through the middle and he's probably more used to doing that on an edge. So I think from a physio point of view, if he's doing stuff that he's used to doing, He's used to reading the game, used to seeing where defenders are coming at him on the edge. Um, you know, if he's done his rehab properly, and I'm sure he has, um, there's no reason why there's more risk necessarily for a um, for him to do something like that in the center as opposed to in the middle. You know, we've seen guys even in the past few years like Paul Vaughan and stuff doing their ACLs in the middle. So a lot of these forwards and middle players are playing with a lot of footwork around the middle. So you've got still a lot of lateral movement, whether you're playing in the middle or on edge anyway. So for me, I think as long as he's done his rehab right, um, and he looks pretty good on Saturday night, even though the Dragons got thumped, um, <laughs> he looks pretty good. So I think from a physio point of view, I think I'm happy with him playing center. Very good. Comes in cheap, yeah. so I think a few people will jump on him now. Yeah, I think a few people will definitely. Um, you know, and and. I think the Dragons, even though defensively they look terrible, they might score a few points potentially through the year. So um, he could be handy. I hope so. As a Dragons yeah. fan, I hope so. Yeah, I'm a Dragons fan as well. So oh, no. We got <laughs> I two definitely of them. hope so. If we just become best friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phil, to wrap things up, one final question. Mm. It's on the big fella for feeder. He's a fantasy mm. god of the past, but chronic knee yeah. issues, they nearly retired him last year. But mm. he's looking amazing. He's at his probably leanest that we've seen him since probably since he was 20. He's 117 mm. kilos. Now, he's dropped something like 12 kilos from his playing weight from last year. Now, from yep. your perspective, does that help someone with a chronic knee and can he play more additional minutes? Yeah, look, so if we're going from a purely physio point of view first, um, someone with a chronic knee injury, literally the best thing you can do is lose weight. Um, so there's been multiple studies show that for arthritic knees, whether the person be 30 years old or 90 years old, if you're arthritic and you drop a couple of kilos, it takes a whole bunch of load off your knee and improves your symptoms massively. Um, so from a physio point of view, definitely um, dropping that weight is going to be good for his knee. Now, whether it's good for his his gameplay is is going to leave a lot to sort of find out because I've heard him say in a bunch of interviews that when he was younger, I think he was at the Tigers and they tried to lean him out and he actually struggled quite a lot playing at that low body weight. And that's a big thing for, for guys in the middle, giving up five or six kilos that could affect his his post-contact meters, his initial contact, his offloads. Mm. So from a fantasy point of view, you know, um, all right, he might be able to play more minutes than if he was 128 kilos again, but how effective are those minutes going to be? So mm. his knee might be a bit happier, but is he going to have that same impact on the game? That's where I'm a little bit iffy um, in terms of picking him up. Um, one, whether the knee will survive the whole season, even with that weight, because rugby league's a terrible sport for chronic knees. Um, and two, is he going to be as effective as he has in past years? So there's a few que- there's a lot question of question marks. marks. Yeah. It'll be, I think it'll be a smoky pick. You'll be brave to spend too much money or take him early in um, in draft picks if, mm. uh, if that's the type of style that you're playing. So yeah, yeah, you can never trust a man that has green juice all day too. It's 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly he played fifty-five right. minutes in the All Stars, didn't he? Yeah, All Stars. Yeah, all, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was sort of rainy in a slow game through the middle as well. But he seems to go okay. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I look, I definitely hope he could be like a very good smoky pick late. Um, but I don't know how well he'll hold up throughout the season. I think he's going to end up missing time at some point for sure. Well, Physio Phil, appreciate you joining us on the podcast. You just kind of stood us all up because you know more about footy than us three put together as well. <laughs> but guys, you can... I've covered I've covered a lot of footy over the years, guys, and so we'll, we'll you've be... got a great great voice as well for podcasts. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. But before we let Phil go, you can find Phil at LZ Street Physio. That's in Burwood, and it's lzphysio.com.au. We'll have it all in the show notes as well. But Phil, appreciate you joining us tonight, and we'll check in with you during the season. Thanks very much, guys. Pleasure to be on. All right, that was Physio Phil. And boys, let's rip in. Why don't we start with guns? And Andy, you're all over this bloke. The best in the business, maybe the best we've ever seen. Teddy, take it away. It's easy to see why he's probably the number one gun in fantasy. Uh, scored 100 three times last year. Uh, and he did not score less than 50. He did score less than 55 times, but it's not really a worry when you're scoring 100 three times. He's just a pick and stick captain. You can't go wrong with him. So it's, I've, are you aroused that he's goal kicking? Oh, I've seen that on the weekend. It's just very, very juicy because there's good maybe for 30 minutes where S, uh, see Takiyaho will be off and look, they can score tries. So that's even more. Like He's 63 average. Can he go 70? Can Teddy do it? Mate, especially when you think a good team like the Roosters scoring before halftime and after halftime. That's usually when they take over in a game. There's a good chance he might get one or two kicks a game. Well, towards the end of the halves where all those forwards get tired, Takeo is not going to play the full 40. He'll come off at 30, then come on towards the end of the game. So it's mm. there's a high chance he could maybe get two, three goals, goals a game. Yeah, we have to go probably – we should go back into 2020 and just see when the Roosters scored tries. That would be a really good probability. We'll get that ready for next show just to see where in the games they're actually scoring. But from memory, I know they score a lot of tries either side of half time to take games apart. But, uh, Corbs, let's move on to you and, obviously, Kalen Ponga. He actually revealed this week that he's probably best-case scenario back round five. But in a draft scenario, you're a big fan of Pongs. So what do we got? Yeah, uh, if you're – depending on who you get first round, but he's looking at that two or three pick, I think, for him because you're not going to win the comp early rounds. You need those big players by that uh, the final series, you know, the late uh, 20 rounds. Mm. And and he'll be there. He'll be flying by that time. So, yeah, if you can snag him and just hold on to him for a, a little bit, even in uh, classic though, that's sort of awesome timing because if you get a good cheapy winger fullback or a good cheapy uh, in another position and you can upgrade a winger fullback perfect around that right, around five or six because they should have hypothetically made um, that money. So he could be a good little um, bump up if you can uh, sort your team out and get those cash cows. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting. With his goal-kicking record at 66%, he's averaging, what, 62? He could be a 66 like Teddy if he actually improved his goal-kicking. Yeah, the, the other one that really gets me excited, and Green should be back because they're talking he could be back rounds one or two. Yeah. If he's out there, when he played with Green in the two games in 2020, he had an 80 average, and I think that comes down to – yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> an average of 80. Yeah, yeah. I think it comes down to 
Green is that ball distributor. I was watching it on the weekend, and with a, bit, a few changes in positions, you'll hear us talk about it uh, in our sort of pods just over the next few days. He, he just gets that ball out really quickly to Ponga and gives him heaps of space and time as that ball player out the back. And I think Ponga just thrived off it. And Mate, I think that's where he got his big points. The Knights fans need to, the fans everywhere, they need to do a GoFundMe page for Blake Green's physio, like to get him back on the field ASAP. Yeah. Well, you and O'Brien, he wants to come back early. He's very keen. <laughs> well, after their performance on the weekend, they definitely need him. <laughs> 100% they need him. But please, yeah. The, yeah, sorry, Josh. Well, I, I thought Andy was, get, before we move on, but he's also in the 100 club. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and he's missed that one. Hey, you've got he, back on, he got it twice. Come on, man. So he's back one. line. Teddy, Ponga, and, and uh, Gutho. Yeah, I, I haven't been keeping track, mate. I'm just giving you a couple extra names. You sort it out. But, boys, moving on, the guy that is flying under the radar, and I reckon he was one of the best players in the trials over the weekend, is Brian Toho. Now, he's got an ownership of only 2.4%, 580K, Corby's picked him because I gave him like plenty of advice on this play. <laughs> but he switched over to the edge on, on Crichton's side on the left edge and it, it probably made him even better. Like he was amazing on the weekend. Like the amount of – I think after the first 17 minutes, he had seven runs and Staines had one. And in one run, he beat four guys. Like he would have been on just doing his normal stuff. He would have been on 35 points after 17 minutes. He was amazing. And just the way he's come back from that injury last year, finding the trial line, average – from 16 to 20, the rounds, he averaged 51, scored four and five games, and he was just a menace, and he's just got that work rate. When you look at his base stats, he averages something like, what, 160 metres or something? Like, he's got crazy base stats as well. Five tackle breaks a game. This guy is under the radar. No one owns him. Lock him in. How good is his hair, too? It's flowing, beautiful. And his new segment. His new segment is unbelievable. Yeah, he's a lot better. I didn't think he would be as good as he is in front of the camera. Oh. Brian's still a funny name. I only know two Brian's, Toto <laughs> and my old man. It's just it's a very old man's name. <laughs> <laughs> he suits it, though. For Brian. Brian Corby. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy drafting him. He, uh, he did look good. He's, yeah. he's just busy, real busy. Very good. But you keep going there, Corby. Now, AJ Brimson, fan favourite of yours from last year, pretty much won you the competition. But hey, he played pretty well in the trial just to get a little bit of, you know, just to blow off a bit of steam off the, the you know, whatever it's called. But yeah, <laughs> I'm having a tongue tie tonight. I think, we, well, the first couple of minutes, him and Kelly um, put together a play and I was thinking, oh, my God, these guys are electric. They're going to really set the world on fire tonight. But then they just sort of did their thing and um, so he was always sort of there and thereabouts around the ruck, keeping busy and there was a couple of sort of half opportunities off a couple of those big new blokes and, and that'll probably come in just working combinations. Mm. But he, yeah, he's going to be one that I think will fire this year um, and like I said, just with a couple of those big boys, he will be just, yeah, loving it because he, he's a real um, support player and uh, I think he's going to get a few line breaks and um, and tries through that um, part of his game as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, that'll bump him up to he, – he had 12 out of his 18 games last uh, – no, yeah, he had 51 average. So with all those stats and a couple of the extra ones, I think he, he could potentially push up around that 750K, the, the 60s. Yeah. 
Definitely. He, hind- he, he didn't look hindered by his injury at all, did he? Nah, nah, he, he looked good. good. Yeah, he looked real good. Now, boys, the other one, Ryan Pappenhausen, his ownership's just absolutely flown from oh, the weekend. From In a week, it's gone up like nearly 10%. It was uh, Yesterday when I checked, it was like 28%, but... How good was it just to confirm that he's goal-kicking? Like, put everyone out of their misery in terms of Munster. I wish we could have got this last week. I would have went with him in the first round. But you're a lucky boy, Corby, because Corby picked him up in the second round just before I wanted to pick him up. But at 658K, a break-even, only 49. It's only his second year of first grade, really. He came in late in the 2019. So he's only going to improve as a football player. These new rules are going to suit him. And then when you think, Cam Smith had an average of 4.2 goals. So that's eight points a game. So think about efficiency is going up in his game. So you could say he's probably going to average even without goal-kicking mid-50s. Add eight points to his game, all of a sudden you've got a 62-63 player that's as good as James Tedesco. So I think it's silly. 658K, if you're going to get te- – I know that Teddy's taking over the kicking, so he might become a 70 player, so I'm probably looking a little bit silly there. But <laughs> he's average in the back end of the season and just the way he can kind of – he's balanced between styles. He can just – if he wants to ball play, he can ball play. If he wants to go up the ruck and just – off support, off the, the big front rollers, he can do that. I think he's just adaptable, and I think that's the type of guy that you need in his game. You know, in terms of missing games, I think all but one last year, was it, or did he play the entire season? So, yeah, he's there, he's durable, he's ready to go, and I think you're silly if you, you don't pick him. Yeah, he's the, the goal kicking is the big one, and everyone was sweating on it, just waiting, and it was all but <laughs> confirmed, but... His first kick, he nailed one from the sideline. And I was like, oh, how good's this? So, <laughs> five from five, 100% so far. Yeah, I think he'll be in a lot of people. Like, I'm even thinking going him over Teddy. And I remember Andy was talking about Teddy in the earlier pod in the Roosters. He, he's always a bit of a slow starter. Yep. Mm. And if, if that comes to fruition and you get Pappy and then you get Teddy at a reduced price, um, yeah, geez, that'd be pretty handy well, having big, those two at the back. The biggest thing is you save a couple hundred grand by not taking Teddy, and you can kind of offset that into a different position. So for yeah. me, that's just the tick that you need. But moving on, let's go look at some mid mid tiers here. Andy, you start. Now, Latrell had an absolute blinder on the weekend, and you know, I'm glad he did because he just absolutely put a pie in my face because I gave it to him about him and Cody Walker, but they, they combine very well, mate. But what are you seeing in, in Latrell Mitchell? It's like they heard you and they're like, what do you mean? You're not going to score many points. Next minute, <laughs> three tries in the first half. No, I can uh, admit it, where it, I got it wrong. I, I got it wrong. I'm just predicting him to outscore last, last year. Last year was his first year of fullback and he had so much media negativity around him. He, he was sort of focusing on that and not focusing on himself. He wasn't fit to pre-season. Oh, but this year... Watching that All Stars game, he just looked great. He was involved in everything, and then again in this trial to have three tries, this one try in the first half. Like, if you, if you don't have him in your team, you're going to lose. He will rise and rise in price. It's sort of I don't know what his ceiling is because he he'll have these games where he will just sort of explode out of nowhere, and he could go nine. He could go. He could join me hundred club team this year. Mm. He, he's a weapon. Well, mate, I think he will. Oh my god, he's now owned. By 86%. What? I don't think I've seen that before. Look. Oh, my God. 86%. I think your computer's broken. No, it's off my... <laughs> I'll take a screenshot and send it to you. He yeah, was, right. That is crazy. Latrell last week. Have you got it in front of you? Because I haven't got your... Have you got an ownership in front of you in there, Andy? Yeah, I've got one. It's... Uh, sorry, I've only got the amount of ownership. It's 13,000. What's the percentage? I'm sure he was that, only that'd like... That'd be about... 
Is it one hundred thirty thousand? So ten percent is thirteen thousand. Yeah, you just say eighty six percent. That's what my. I'll put that on eighty. I can't believe it can't be eighty six percent. Surely not. Um. Yeah, keep, keep going. Give me two seconds. I'll figure it out. That's okay. But we'll Crazy. move on now. Over the weekend, Val Holmes really ultra impressive in the second half. Corbs, what do you think about Val? And then he's got some competition in drink water as well. Yeah, there's still question marks. But if you watch that game, the only thing that like, he dominated second half, but then he was against a weaker team with a lot of the A team going off um, when he went into fullback. But he just looked so much better in fullback. And going off his stats from last time, or even last year, he had 350-plus games in the last four games. Uh, in 2018, just before he went over and tried his luck in the NFL, his last eight games, he had a 60 average. Mm. So he's got the runs on the board in that fullback position, and he seemed to showcase that in the trial game over the weekend. Yeah, I just think, yeah, they looked a lot better team. He's stronger carry, uh, a stronger carry of the ball back than drink water, and that's a massive win for him with your fantasy if you've got him. Ball playing is outstanding. He, he seemed to look good outside drink water, mm. getting that ball a bit wider. Yeah, had a good um, combo. Yeah, totally agree. And then the uh, the goal kicking, if he can um, jag jag the goal kicking, but yeah. I'm not sure. It was, it was interesting with Clifford. One, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was. So, guys, the other one that I want to – you just mentioned him, Scott Drinkwater, at 477K and a break even at 36. Very low ownership, only a couple percent. But it's one of those things, it's not to play fullback. His fullback average is 28. His 5'8 average is 38. Kind of where I see a little bit of value is when they play in the spine, Val, Drinky, Morgan, and Robson, he averages 48. It's only happened a couple of times. So there is only a, a low amount of games that has actually happened. But like Corby just did mention, like he is a natural 5'8", and I think he makes – Morgan better, and I think it makes Val better, and I think it makes Robson better as well. I think they're the combination moving forward. I don't even know why they want to go with Jay Clifford. He's leaving. He's already signed for Newcastle, so it makes it a bit of a, a silly one. So if Clifford if, if Clifford leaves, does that give Holmes a kicking? Or if Clifford like doesn't make the team, does Holmes get the team? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They're the only two that were were even attempting. Yeah, it, so I, I sort of see it going that way because I feel they can't have they can't not have drink water in the team. They can't not have Holmes, but Phil Clifford could. Yeah. If, once Morgan gets back and and does his thing, I think Clifford might find himself out of the team. Yeah. So, like I said, that in terms of me giving you a pick of drink water, that has to be five eight. The moment he is fullback, you eject. Get the hell out of there. That's a that's a massive sign. He did have 41, 42 fantasy points on the weekend, uh, but he did they did swap back to um, five eight in the second half. So it's a bit. It's a bit uh, skewed, the stat. Yeah, he also had a long-range try that was kind of just pretty much on a platter. So I reckon half, yeah, half of it is that for sure. But the other guys in the mid-ranges, guys, is Jordan Pereira. He had actually had a pretty good game before he, he copped a HIA on the weekend. But his base stats are ultra-impressive, 167 metres a game and five tackle breaks. Very similar to Brian Toho. He's like a Toho who didn't score last year. They have very similar base stats, even very similar styles, and they both play now on the left edge. But outside of, I think, we had a bit of a discussion with, well, Physio Phil before this whole thing with Jack Bird and him being an actual passing centre. That's a, that's a big thing, don't you reckon, Corbs? Yeah, well, considering he was outside Aiken, who just hates to pass the ball. <laughs> Poor old Ken Mamalo, his stats are going to be, don't go near him this year. I think Andy might touch on that a little bit later. But <laughs> yeah, he, he will uh, get a lot more ball and a bit more attacking stats outside Bird 
and even looked at like I think he was up around the point nine. Yep. Just going off what NRL Fantasy had up on their sites. <laughs> he scored one pretty... try last year. Revel- Revelawa scored 12. So the balance just wasn't there. He'll but get some just average. out of luck. Bit of so. average on one try. That's pretty decent base stats. Yeah, I think he's due. He's due some stats. He'll get 15 this year for sure. They'll be all Dragons tries for the whole year. <laughs> but moving on, boys, to our cheapies. Now, uh, Corbs, let's start with you. Your great mate from Teddy, Stafford Tower. Yeah, he was playing on the weekend. He had actually had a couple of good runs as well. Saw that, yeah. The, the Knights didn't have a lot to cheer about. There was a couple of their big players. Again, it was a trial, so you can't read too much into it, but you can read a little bit from those uh, those fringe players like the Stafford Tower, mm. and he's uh, vying for a position, so he was putting in the big yards. Uh, attack and defence. Defensively, I couldn't really... Fault him. There was a couple of uh, misreads inside him that he had to sort of shoot in late. But in attack, yeah, he he looked good. He had a couple of good runs. I feel he could get that that wing position. He started the game. I'm not sure Edric Lee's out for a little bit, Mm. so he could get the start. I'm not saying uh, he's a big watch list for the team list Tuesday. I feel he will have the wing spot by the end of the year. Uh, whether or not he gets it early on and Edric Lee comes back, it sort of depends how the team's going, I suppose. But, but he yeah, got I that, just know, you know what, Josh, he, got, he was on the right wing because Edric plays on the left wing and they had Shibazaki out there on the weekend. So I think even with Edric in the team, I think Stafford will still be in the team. He had a couple of brilliant touches. I think he had a, a catch and kick when he grabbed it around the fullback and then ran around to almost put it down for a try. He's showed some quality skills. So could be a, could be, could be, could be on a good bandwagon. Must have been yeah. Ted. Well, he's only based his average. He's priced at twenty-two, so mm. you can't lose really with him. He's not going to get any lower than that. He's, um, yeah, I'd say he could get that thirty, thirty-five, and make a bit of money, if not just be that slow, uh, slow burner. Yeah, he's got some wheels, but Andy, you're liking Tex Hoy now. Tex was a yes. little bit quiet on the weekend. Let's see his price: three fourteen k and a break-even of twenty-three. His ownership is rising by the day. A couple of days ago, it was 10%. I think it's a little bit higher than that. But what are we seeing in text there, Any? Yeah, it's the same with the Knights. Um, yeah, he did have a slow game the first half. But the second half, he sort of found a bit more confidence and he showed a bit more skill. Uh, but with, with Texi, with only 314K, he's playing two games fullback last year. He averaged 51 fancy points. Mm. So if he, can, if he can get close to that, if he can average 50 points, like it's, I know it might be a big ass, but he has done it. He's got pedigree. So if he can do that in the first three games, he can make an easy 150K cash. Mm. So that, I'm going to try and use that, um, and use that technique and just pray that he sort of has a great game. Yep. Naturally, he, they verse Melbourne. So you're going – and Melbourne were – they was there to play. Like they, they treated that game as it was round one and they, they are going to have a stellar season. So they did get smashed and it didn't look, wasn't the best game for the night. So don't take too much out of this trial. Uh, but his break-even is only 25, so I'm looking for Tex Hoyt to make a bit of coin for me in the first couple of rounds. Yeah, they do have dogs first round, and then, like we mentioned before, Ponga did mention that round five will be the earliest he's back. So you've got four weeks to make some cash. So Could, could make 150-plus, depending on his scoring. But, yeah, I think I'm, I'm believing him. Okay. No, I, I like that as well. He's in my team for sure. But the guy I'm looking at is Jermaine Azarko. 399k, break-even of only 30, ownership of only 2%. We'll be goal-kicking this year, 
But I like what I saw. Well, I like what I saw in the first half. He fell off an absolute cliff in the second half, but his positioning in the second half really needs some improvement. But like Josh mentioned before, there was a lot of second graded players in there as well. So you can't really take with too much of a grain of salt. But really, before COVID, he, he had an average of 48. So he was doing quite well. Didn't have the best of years off field as well. He had a bit of family tragedy as well. So that's why we didn't see him in the back half. But 2018, when he played fullback three games, he averaged 42 and had that goal kicking as well. At an ownership of that 2% and break even of only 30, you haven't got much to lose with Jermaine Asako, especially if he plays like he did in that first half on the trial on Saturday. So I think I'll be banking him as my kind of third, my little cheapie there. But yeah, that's food for thoughts for sure. Now, Corbs, you, you want to end with one of your love interests, Remus Smith. Yeah, he, he didn't set the world on fire for for the Melbourne Storm on the weekend, Remus Smith. But I think he he will be one of those players that Bellamy can work his magic on, mm. and because his stats don't really read, or, yeah, they're not the most exciting from the past. Center. He did play centre, but I feel Branko Lee, with the year he had, and I think they'll just resting him. I think he will come back, and Remus will. Yeah, we actually be battling it. It'll be a watch now. I was a lot more confident before watching that game with the uh, the young winger De- Dean Laremia. Yeah, great. The only good thing about Dean is he hasn't got an NRL contract, so he yeah, can't that, play. So I did hear that in the yeah. broadcast as well. So yeah, with Remus, the big upside for him is the attacking stats that he will benefit off as an outside back with Melbourne. So with the doggies, I did mention this on the doggies pod. The doggies attack the last three years was 13th, 16th, and 15th, whereas the Storm were fourth, first, and third. Yeah. So you feel that he's going to get a few more points in that area of his game. And, yeah, like I said before, the Bellamy effect, we've seen it all before. I think that he could be one. And his price is at that three hundred. I haven't got it here. I got it. One sec. Remus Smith, 300K, break even at 22, 3% ownership. Yeah, nice. So we, uh, yeah, around that 300K, that's yeah, around that 22 average, so very low. Jeez, it was an audition, but I reckon eight guys played in that right wing on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, I don't know. To the, the he's trial, the best, but he, he's be the best. He's easily the best. I think he is the best. Yeah, he's got pedigree from the dogs. Yeah, I agree. Boys, moving on, and let's finish off with our voids. I'll kick things off. Clint Gutherson. I know Andy loves him, but he's got no track record. And you know what? what? Track record? Last year. 48, lives in the past. That's why, did you see the new documentary they made on the Eels last premiership? Because you're never going to see one again. Oh, look, I'm sticking to that. I'll just go stick to winning fancy premierships. Don't let us, mate. I'm not even going to comment on that. But, guys, just I'm really worried about him. 48 average last year, 233s. 33 and 33 in 2019 and 18. But just watching them play in the trial, and this is what I thought might happen, is I reckon they know in the 20, in the last kind of five or six games, he was touching the ball way too much. And they took that away from him last night. He was hardly even noticed when the, sh- the Parramatta Eels were attacking yesterday. It was all Moses and Dylan Brown, which was kind of interesting. So I think moving forward, his base stats are going to go down. Oh, sorry, his attacking stats will go down. His base stats will stay quite the same. But I think he's going to be going back towards kind of a 40 average. No, I agree with you. Even just looking last night, he he was running, being a poor player everywhere, but like you said, he just didn't have the ball as much as he did. They but just then weren't again, sweeping trial. Yeah, it is, yeah, exactly right. So they could turn it around 
they did play pretty poorly last night. They might need him back, right? So I have yeah, had, was, I've had egg in my face before with Watson and Mitchell. So <laughs> why troll not? game, troll game. It'll, it'll be confirmed the first few rounds. But yeah, he definitely looked a little bit disinterested last night's game as a, as opposed to uh, last year when he was he was busy as. Yes, yeah, stick with you, Bailey Simonson, Corbs. Yeah, speaking about egg on your face, I was watching the um, Suwali and um, the Roosters North, sorry, against the Canberra Reserve grade. It was like the first troll game on the Saturday and Simonson was actually playing, Simonson was playing really well. He was kicking goals. I was like, oh, hang on, who's a goal kicker for the Raiders? And George Williams, while Croker's out. But I was thinking, oh, no, he's playing really well. He's going to lock down this wing spot. And then he came on and played a half a game for the Raiders against the Roosters. Yeah. And I don't know if the NRL Fantasy stats page is correct, but they had him on one point. I was like, <laughs> there you go, people. I told you. He was uh, He was he just, I just think he's one of those people that he's cheap price. He's got that vacant spot, but his past stats just do not read well. Like the 20 average, 26 average. Uh, 30 average 2019, 26 average in uh, 2020. Mm. I just, yeah, 13% uh, ownership. He's only got the 18 break even. I know he's not much, but I just feel it's a wasted trade because he's just got, yeah, really poor fantasy stats. And, yeah, he's a devoid for me. Okay. Andy, you take it away with David Fusatua. It's it's unbelievable because you said he's 30% fantasy managers and he's got an 18 break even. David Fusatua... (laughs) has got a 17.77% ownership. He's, he's been there in the past for the last six years, and he, and he hasn't been fantasy relevant. I don't know why people are thinking he's gonna, this, is his, this is their year. Like, I just don't see the points coming from him. So he's definitely in a void for me, and I, yeah, I can't see it. Unless I'm, I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, he's cheap. He's 268K, but he's, you're 268K after five years of being in the NRL. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good sign. Even when he was top try scorer, he averaged 30. So that, that tells you a lot of things. Like, he's just not out there. But I'll end things, boys, with Matt Dufty. And just I, I just think that you can get better value for money and other players with better upside. I think the difference between his best and worst games is just too far apart. And that average of 42, when you consider you can pick up a Brian Toho or a Jordan... Jordan Pereira, it just makes no sense. I think those two have way more upside and at the same price level, I think you're doing something very, very silly. So, duffed, we will put you in the bag. Special mention, sorry, to the other uh, Warriors wing. I mentioned it before, Mamalo. Being outside of you and Aiken, you mentioned it before during the trial, who just seen no ball and he's a well-known ball hawk. So, both wingers, I think, for the Warriors are definitely going to be in a void. Yeah, agree. So, don't pick those boys up, but to go with this week, boys, we've got, what, edge and then also middles. So yeah. a bit more spice to come, but thanks, boys, for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you. See you, listeners. See you boys.